This is episode 70 of the Get In My Garden podcast. I'm Aaron Moskowitz, and today we meet Elton Ray James, cannabis grower and lifelong mushroom activist, co-creator with his wife of the largest mushroom growing group on Facebook. He shares how he ended up developing a cannabis business with a California micro business license and what that can mean for growers getting into the industry. Then Elton discusses how mushrooms can open the mind to a lifelong thirst for knowledge and some of the very awesome visions he has for developing his farm into an entheobotanical tourist destination. I ask him where we are culturally with magic mushrooms and other psychedelics. Later in the month, I'll publish the rest of Elton's vision for creating his destination farm he calls an amazement park. At the end of this week, we will meet a soil entrepreneur from Tennessee discussing his novel soil business and his beer kashi products made from spent brewing grains. Then next week, the amazing and talented Wania Thibault, primitive skills expert, sustenance farmer, and survivalist. You may know her because she was a competitor and runner-up on season six of the History Channel show called Alone, which is also available on Netflix. She will join us to discuss how we can all become closer to the earth and gain primitive skills. She will tell us about her educational company called Buckskin Revolution. I saw you on that Facebook group. I don't know if, uh, basically I was looking at the coolest Facebook groups that I am a part of, and I think it was you or maybe it was your wife who I'd seen on there. Uh, we're both active a little bit. You know, we, we started the group a long, long time ago, and, you know, it goes with uh, bouts of interaction periods where we're doing the mushroom group stuff. So it could have been, it could have been either one of us. Awesome. Well, how did you get into mushrooms? Has that been a lifelong passion of yours? Uh, yeah, pretty much. You know, I think, you know, a lot, a lot of people, myself included, get sort of introduced at an early young age to psychedelic mushrooms. You know, you take some psilocybin and then whammo, you either get it or you don't get it. Some people get the message. Some people never make it through the portal, you know, but, uh, I think I got the message at a really early age and then it just blossomed into, yeah, life, a lifelong passion for, I mean, pretty much everything the mushroom opened up the door to, but yeah, still giving a lot of homage with my time and dedication to mushrooms. Yeah. It sort of sparked the everything interest too, you know, like that's, that's what they do. They like you, you know, all of a sudden, and you see the themes with everyone that's into the mushrooms, like we're all into ecology. We're all into improvement and learning and sort of spiritual matters, however you want to define spiritual matters. You know, yeah, just it, it engenders a, a, an interest in everything. I just, I attribute it to my passion for science and for farming and for everything. It's those, those core and philosophy, you know, thinking on a different level and connecting with a the higher power in your soul and that kind of thing, you know, it really, it really got me on all levels. So, uh, you're in California. Have you always been in California? No, no, I've been, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. I was born in the Carolinas, uh, in North Carolina. And then my, my family moved to my mom and dad moved to Atlanta, Georgia soon after I was born. So at three moved to Atlanta pretty much did, most of the development time in Atlanta, Georgia, and then hit the road, you know, at, instead of doing the college thing, I started hitchhiking around and, you know, hitchhiked 
to Alaska, but via Central America, you know, somehow I, I thumbed it all the way to Central America and then turned around and went uh, back home, actually. So Central America, back to Atlanta for two days and then a trek by thumb to Alaska. Wow. And ran out of money in Alaska and loved it there. So settled down for like 20 years and, you know, I've been on the move since then. Well, left Alaska and, you know, went, went, went back south. And then it's just a, it's a ramble. I've just been a traveler, I guess, you know. It's That's nothing, cool. Nothing. Yeah, I came to California to grow uh, cannabis, you know, to get in the marijuana industry and went to Oaksterdam University and, you know, sort of been on a 10-year uh, journey from that point. So. Awesome. And now you're, are you growing only outdoors? Uh, we're growing outdoors and we have permits in the pipeline for, you know, to be approved uh, a use permit for two uh, greenhouses that we want to operate. We have a micro business license. So we have dreams of uh, developing our own cannabis products, you know, and at least doing the first initial sales out of our own production and then maybe find other uh, manufacturers to, to lift it off, but we have a micro business. So it gives us this, you know, nice unified vertically integrated business that we can try and build here. So I'm pretty excited about it. I know it's very, I'm from Seattle originally. So I'm very familiar with what happens, I guess, when cannabis, like so many people got involved in cannabis. Is that something that, I mean, it sounds like you're going to be doing something kind of niche for now, but like, is it very, very, very competitive? What's the market like for people who want to be in your position? Well, it's hard to get in because the costs now are just insane, you know? So it's a, it's a bit hard to, to get to the, to the position to even make the choice, do I want to do it or not, you know? Oh, wow. Uh, very expensive permitting, very highly uh, regulated, and just a lot of hoops to jump through. And those hoops are all lined with razor blades and fire, you know? I mean... <laughs> They're not simple little hoops. So at least for a, a person like me, I think the, the reason that all of that uh, pain in the ass infrastructure of permitting and regulate the Tory stuff is there is to like weed out people like me, unfortunately, you know, like sort of underfinanced, uh, do it yourself, bootstrapping finance, you know, it, it's, it, that's, it's made to keep folks like me at bay while these big corporations with their really deep pockets can just conquer and control the market, you know? That's sad. I mean, that's kind of what it seemed like was going on in Washington state for sure. Well, it's happening planet wide on everything. I mean, we are in the age of fascism, good old government and, uh, and state operating in cohes cohesion and unity to dominate, you know, and that's, that's what's going on. But it's sort of always been that way. And you know, the game is rigged. So you should go in kind of sly and looking around for the little, you know, opportunities in the corners. And I think the micro business license is sort of one of the bones they threw to people. Mm -hmm. like if you can get a micro business license going and functional, you're kind of given a chance to build one of those companies. And that's kind of what I'm, you know, it's really in my heart and it's killing me. Man, I mean, look at my beard, look at my, I've been like up on this mountain. I work day and night. I'm literally like waking up at 5 a.m. Oh my God. Get out and do a day's work before 10. So the sun does, and it's just, it's, yeah. It's not easy to be a farmer. That's for sure. No, it's not easy, but 
it's also, it's not what I am. I don't really consider, I am farming, but I'm not a farmer. You know, I'm trying to build an amazement park, man. You know, (laughs) I want to have an amazement park. Like if you don't come in and leave feeling like I got more education in two days than I did in my whole college career or, you know. That's a great idea. That's a great concept to have like people visiting and teach them. Is that kind of what you mean? Oh, absolutely. And not just about farming. I mean, literally, like, because everybody will come to my place, our place, I'm married, I have kids with uh, an expectation of what they're going to see. And if I don't spin you around 360 degrees several times by the time you leave, like, I just had no idea. That's what I want people mumbling and kind of staring up and I just, I had no idea, you know, that's, and if I don't get that reaction, (laughs) I'll know I have not finished my work, you know, like, you're going to have to be just stunned, you know? And yeah, with some good weed, it's not that hard. All you got to do is give people a hammock and uh, a beautiful view. And That sounds fun. It's like a tourist destination and ha- to come yeah. to your farm. Yeah, I would, I would even like to see it like that. It's sort of a futuristic tourist thing. Like this is what we do when we tour in the future. We go to, to play. And I think, you know, the, uh, the, the cutting edge travel is, is like that now that, you know, that people go for learning. You don't want to just go somewhere. Oh, you're so right. You know, you want to have an education and, and cultural immersion. And, you know, and I think the top end of that will be like what similar to what people are doing going down to South America and experiencing ayahuasca or whatever, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're getting all of those things like learning new things, meeting new people, seeing new places, strange culture, and you're accessing the most highest circuitry available in your nervous system and you know like well i definitely believe in the power of medicine to help people and expand our minds like that and i've 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 been fascinated watching where our culture is right now because i think we just turned a corner where it's much more mainstream but i also am kind of kind of curious how that's going to go because sometimes things will get you know we'll we'll see them and then all of a sudden people it peaks and then people aren't interested anymore so like they're they're talking about the microdosing for the last couple years at least and now it's kind of it seems like it might have reached the people that it's going to reach and now it might be fading a little bit how do you feel about that yeah i don't i don't think that's true i think more and more every day i hear people uh interested in it that i would have never assumed you know that would be uh interested and i just i think that that fad fading effect would happen if it wasn't psychedelics, you know, like, Uh because everything disappoints, but psychedelics, you know, everything lets you down. (laughs) You get a brand new car. I don't give a shit if that thing is a Ferrari, man. In in three weeks, you're like, ah, the gear shift isn't right. And, uh, you know, it just, my my butt hurts when, uh, for some reason, it's just something about almost everything else it lets you down, you know, it lets you down. Psychedelics don't, man. They just don't ever, they don't ever stop delivering. Now you might need to stay away from psychedelics, you know, but it wasn't because they let you down. It's because they were delivering too much of what you were asking for. You know, you're like, whoa, okay. That's a good point. That's enough for right now. I'm going to digest. Okay. Yeah. It's time to step back. Just step back from the mystery. (laughs) Well, do you consider cannabis psychedelic? Um, I sort of more consider it the daily bread, you know, like, but yeah, I mean, under certain circumstances, for sure, especially eating it, you know, like, Mm -hmm. once you eat past a certain dosage, uh, 
it's the psychedelicness is very unique, actually. I, I, I just always I wish I could wordify and codify that feeling I get on high dose edible marijuana. And it, if it had any kind of thing, it would be something like, like you're just astounded that you're exactly where you are. It's, it's, it's that ineffable thing. You can't put it into the words. But for me, it's always that state of being where I'm just puzzled and bewildered and not confused, but just baffled by the fact that I am me and I am occupying this place in time. And those are my kids and that's my wife. And like, I just look around, <laughs> I, I live here in the whole infinite universe. It really brings, I live and I am in this moment now with this, his, it's just such an amazing, almost objective view of yourself and your life circumstance. And it just feels so interesting and novel like oh man you know like i'm 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 a i'm an alien visiting my life from you know it's just a very uh it's a unique experience that's awesome in other words i've never seen any of sort of the lower level phenomena of psychedelics which are the the patterns and the visual disturbances and those things and sort of the oceanic dissolution you know your ego kind of blends and everything like and people will oftentimes because most americans are sitting on couches so that's where we are so we'll often say like oh, i just melted into the couch you know <laughs> like but the fact is you melt into whatever you know you you melt into the everythingness and that does not happen ever in my opinion with cannabis so it's it's kind of it, that in that way it removes itself from the the list for me of that makes sense I feel like it might just, it, I mean, it definitely expands your mind and your creativity and analysis. I just noticed it's like magnifies everything in my surroundings and in my head so that I can actually see them for what they are, my thoughts, but well, it's not, it's not changing my ego or anything. Yeah. It's not dissolving that, that ego and getting it out of the way or whatever, if that's what you mean. Yeah, totally. It's a more, it is a more functional thing. That's why, you know, it's kind of the daily bread, you know, like, mm -hmm. uh, you, you know, you can develop a relationship where you, you function with it as more of a baseline like that, you know, marijuana, cannabis is kind of a baseline. And for me, it actually switches around. Like right now I'm, I'm in a challenging, we're trying to get plants planted before July, you know, like I've got mm -hmm. everything still going in the ground and I'm cannabis as a daily hour, you know, hourly kind of a, of a, of an intake is what happens in those situations. You know, I've got to dig holes and, move stuff and it just makes uh mundane labor tolerable you know like it helps it helps me just you know washing dishes and smoking pot is like the best job in the world that most people don't know you know <laughs> like <laughs> i get it you know i like, totally get it yeah smoke herb and wash dishes your mind is free you get a little bit of money i've had i've had lifestyle periods like that i wish i could do that again one day it would be great if i could just break from my life's momentum and be like i'm just gonna wash dishes for six months y'all <laughs> well, tell me about your farming methods. I mean, I my podcast, there's a lot of natural farmers, Korean natural farming, uh, people obsessed with the soil food web. Are you using a specific method? I've got a lot of experience working with the fungi and with plants now. I've been farming cannabis for 11 years at this point. It's kind of my 11th round and, you know, my 11th season with the sun on it. But I mean, working, obviously, you know, knowing how to grow fungi from an early age, that becomes a big part of it. You know, I use some really deep mulch layers and mm -hmm. inoculate with fungi into the mulch layer so that it's, it's speeding up the nutrient cycling. I, I'm always open to inoculating with some products that people have that might have some mycorrhizal fungi or whatever. I'll put it in there. Uh, the earthworms are super 
important in my in my process. High speed nutrient cycling, lots of ecosystems, micro ecosystems working in my soil and my mulch layer, creating dynamic stability. It's it's stable because there's crazy bugs and worms and bacterias and fungi just exploding and nobody gets a chance to get ahead and I kind of manage it much in the same way I do the mushroom growing group you know you know I manage it by creating diversity and not letting one thing dominate and so that's the main goal for me but I mean I, I just love my soils I can't wait to build more soil like it's 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 part of the obsession because the fungi are creating waste streams which we're not doing now. I need to get the mushroom farming back up and going. You know, I've endeavored several times commercially with uh, oyster mushrooms. And we, yeah, I don't know if you researched our pages at all, but uh, we started the Bay Area's really first mushroom education company. And we were mushroom maestros and we would go to schools and grocery stores and every, you know, just all over the place and do demos on how to grow mushrooms. I had a little property in downtown West Oakland downtown Oakland, West Oakland. And I basically did free education. I put ads in the, in the Craigslist, like free mushroom kits and a free micro seminar, you know, That's <laughs> like, so cool. on demand, just stop by. I'll do the thing. So you're one of the pioneers of that area, because I believe that the Bay area is like one of the early, earliest places where people were mainstreamizing, like growing oyster mushrooms and other, you know, yeah. kits at home. Yeah, you can look at the photos. It's just like I'm I'm I have no gray hair. My wife and I are just like babies in this photo. It's so weird that it was it was so long ago now, you know. It's just <laughs> weird. But yeah, I would say yes, we pioneered a lot of it. We got a lot of it going. But there's you know, Alan Rockefeller is down there. He and I would hang out and there were a lot of growers in the Bay Area. So I wouldn't say that I was I was uh you know the pioneer. You know, there's just been, with Alan down there and his crew, there's just a lot of people that had their hands in it. But I had a little company and I was education oriented, you know, it's like we do classes, you know, come and do your thing. We also did one of the first uh, mycological fests, you know, I think, uh, uh-huh. uh, what is the fungi for the people came here to our property and we had a, a seminar based kind of workshoppy camp out for three days. And there are a lot of those now. Peter McCoy does the radical mycology thing. They had just started right. And I think they had done a, a fest earlier. But yeah, we did one of the first fests. Thanks for listening. Later in the month, I'll publish the rest of Elton's vision for creating his destination farm he calls an amazement park. At the end of this week, we will meet a soil entrepreneur from Tennessee discussing his novel soil business and his beer kashi products made from spent brewing grains. Then next week, the amazing and talented Wania Thibault, primitive skills expert, sustenance farmer, and survivalist. You may know her because she was a competitor and runner-up on season six of the History Channel show called Alone, which is also available on Netflix. She will join us to discuss how we can all become closer to the earth and gain primitive skills. She will tell us about her educational company called Buckskin Revolution. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen from, and leave a positive review if you want to support the show.